You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from ScoreZag Score and taking over here at Locked On. This episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. I also want to thank all of you for making this podcast your first listen of the day. Whether you are a new listener to the show, new to my content, or coming over from my previous show, a reminder to please follow and subscribe to this podcast wherever you already get podcasts, and to look out for an upcoming YouTube channel, which is going to start on Monday. That's right, folks. This is the last episode where you just get to hear me every other episode. If you choose, you get to see me as well. I'm super excited about this. It's going to be really, really fun to be on camera for y'all. If you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, I will post about it on social media. I will also talk about it here. You can find it and you can subscribe there. Super excited about it. All right. Happy Friday for those of you who are listening. On Friday, the Zags have their rare second exhibition game of the season, slated for 6 p.m. this evening. Today's episode is going to be a preview of that game against Lewis Clark State, including the five things that I'll be watching for as the team tunes it up ahead of their real season opener next Tuesday against Dixie State. I want to do these five things to watch for kind of things before every game this year, just a way to kind of maybe put some other things in your folks' brains about what I'm going to be looking for, things that might be coming up as the game goes along. And then in the final two segments today, I'm going to be breaking down some NBA action for our 10 Zags playing at that level through the first few weeks of the season. All right, so let's get right into it. It's rare. It's rare for Gonzaga to have two exhibition games before they start their regular season. We're not going to rehash some of the perceived reasoning for why Gonzaga may have had added a second exhibition game. Obviously, this has to do with Mark Few's three-game suspension that was dished out after his DUI in early September, meaning that he does not miss the Texas game. Seems a little bit spotty, although Gonzaga did not have a closed scrimmage, the secret scrimmages that they've done in the past against teams like Michigan State and other high-profile programs. So it does stand a potential reason that they may have added this game because they could not find a secret scrimmage game. Regardless, they're playing the Lewis Clark State Warriors. Uh, It's a team they've played quite a few times, another NAIA school similar to Eastern Oregon, uh, located down in the Lewiston area of Idaho, so they're close by. They're a really good NAIA school. They're 3-0 on the year. They have an average margin of victory of 45 points, which will seem very familiar to the school they are playing up in Spokane on uh, tonight. If you're listening on Friday, obviously Gonzaga's blown out teams quite a bit in that regard, and it should be a similar result uh, for them on Friday. The most notable fact that I want to share about the the Warriors of Lewis Clark State before we talk about the five things I'll be watching for is there will be a very familiar face and a very familiar last name on one of the jerseys for Lewis Clark State. That will be Sam Stockton. Yes, there is another Stockton play in college basketball. Sam is John's youngest son, David's youngest brother, of course. Uh, he is on the team for Lewis Clark State. Uh, super cool. Another Stockton gets to play in the kennel. Obviously, I'm thrilled for him. I'm sure his family is absolutely pumped that he's getting this opportunity. Gonzaga has scheduled Lewis Clark State in the past, so I don't know that 
Stockton's presence was necessarily the only reason that they scheduled this game, but I can almost promise you that any school that Stockton had gone to, Sam, uh, whether it was NAIA, D1, D3, whatever, I'm sure Gonzaga would have tried to find a way to get them on the calendar and get them get them here because of the relationship, of course, that the Stocktons have with the Gonzaga basketball program. So it's super cool that Sam gets to come and play in the kennel. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a, a really nice moment for him and his entire family. Moving forward, since we don't really expect the uh, outcome of this game to be particularly challenging or there to be any really notable matchups or anything to discuss, I'm just going to discuss the things that I'll be looking for in this game. Of course, Gonzaga's already had an exhibition game, so some of that stuff is more of a carryover from that game and less just general concerns. Uh, The number one thing is kind of the biggest question mark going into the season, and it wasn't answered in a convincing fashion at all in the Eastern Oregon game, and that's just the team's three-point shooting. We know Julian Strother can shoot. The dude, I mean, the dude can really shoot. He can really, really light it up. He's a confident three-point shooter. He's a he's a good outside shooter. He's got the ability to get his own looks because of his size and physicality. He's not an issue. I don't think Chet Holmgren's going to be an issue. I think he's going to shoot plenty of threes this year. And I think he's going to knock them down at a pretty good clip. But your entire three-point offense cannot come from your seven-foot-one unicorn center and your starting small forward in his second collegiate season. You need some of these guards to step up and knock down threes. The combination of Nolan Hickman, Rasheer Bolton, and Andrew Nembhard went 0 for nine last in the last game against Eastern Oregon. That's that's a concern to me. And I mentioned this in Mailbag Monday, and I've mentioned this before talking about this. Like one game. One bad shooting game from a couple of guys isn't necessarily a big deal, but it's not like there's a significant track record of these guys being good three-point shooters. Bolton and Nembhard have been below-average three-point shooters for their collegiate careers, which have spanned multiple seasons. Each of them have played three years. So that is that is a concern. Hickman and Salas are probably going to be fine or at least adequate. I think Nolan Hickman will be pretty good, but he's not going to play a huge role on this team. So we really need some of those guys to step up. How they shoot against Lewis Clark State isn't necessarily super indicative of what's going to happen, but I, I'll tell you right now, if they go over again collectively, I'm going to be a little bit worried. I'm going to be a little bit worried because other teams are watching these games. They're scouting these, you know, the, they're not necessarily scouting because of the Gonzaga's opponent, but they're watching these games and they'll think, well, shoot, those guys can't make threes against teams like that. What if we just pack in a zone? What if we just kind of you know, surround Drew Timmy down low, force him to kick the ball out and make those guys shoot threes because that's going to be the strategy almost regardless. But if these guys don't show that they can really knock them down, it's going to continue to be a source of consternation for Gonzaga fans and a source of uh, strategy for the opposing teams that they play. All right, moving on. The next thing we we'll to be watching for is the Caden Perry-Ben Gregg pairing. They were probably the most talked about players outside of Strother from the Eastern Oregon game, and I, I suppose Chet. He was pretty pretty well talked about as well, but at least among Gonzaga fans, Caden Perry and Ben Gregg got a ton of attention. They played fantastic. Perry had that really awesome dunk. He had a great blocked shot. He was an energizer bunny. Ben Gregg looked smooth, effortless, good outside shooter. Uh, they played really well together. Now, this I think this needs to be said. It's been discussed quite a bit uh, for those of you who participate in Gonzaga's Twitter. Um, these two guys are not going to play very much this year. It's not because of their ability. It is simply because the team has way too many dudes in front of them. <laughs> it's because you were playing behind National Player of the Year frontrunner Drew Timmy, top three pick in the 2021 or 2022 NBA draft, Chet Holmgren, and a really talented, much improved Anton Watson. Those three guys are going to soak up a ton of minutes 
All three of those guys probably play over 25 minutes per night, would be my guess, or close to it. That does not leave a lot of room for anybody else. I don't know exactly whether Mark Few and the staff will pick one of these two guys to be the fourth big, and the other guy will get completely relegated to the bench, whether they'll play matchups, whether both of them will kind of split those fourth big minutes, which means they'll each be playing like three or four minutes per night. I don't know exactly how it's going to shake out. It'll obviously be different every single game. These guys will play more against Dixie State than they will against UCLA. I can say that fairly confidently. But it's they're the future of this of this position group for Gonzaga, without a doubt. Both Chet and Drew are probably gone. Not probably. They are gone after this year. That is a near certainty that those two guys are gone. Anton Watson almost certainly coming back as well. So next year you have Caden Perry, Ben Gregg, Anton Watson soaking up the majority of the minutes in the front court. Obviously, there could be a grad transfer addition. There could be more recruits in that class that come in as well. But that's the general group that we're expecting next season. Between now and next season, there are not a lot of opportunities for these two guys to play minutes together in actual basketball games. Friday night is one of them. That is an opportunity for those guys to get a good, solid run together, learning how to play again, you know, play off of each other. It, to me, it strikes me that Ben Gregg could play the high role in a high-low offense. Caden Perry's playing down low. I think they're going to be really good at that because Ben Gregg can shoot. He seems capable of handling the basketball. Caden Perry is a physical force down low. He's super athletic. He's physically strong. They're going to be a great pair next season. This is one of those, these are the kind of games where they get to hone those skills against actual opponents that are not just practices, and it'll make them more ready for next year. We may not see them a ton this year, but that does not mean they're not going to be huge pieces of this program, and I'm excited to see what they do in a limited role this season and Friday against Lewis Clark State. Next up, I just put in my notes, Drew Timmy. I'm not worried about Drew Timmy. I don't think anybody should be worried about Drew Timmy. He didn't finish around the rim particularly well against Eastern Oregon. He His footwork looked good. The shots he was taking were good. He just wasn't finishing. I'd like to see him get better at that in this game, not because I'm concerned, but because it's just good for him to, to go into the actual season on a bit of a higher note than he would have had they only played the Eastern Oregon game. He also looked good as a rim protector against Eastern Oregon. And again, that's something I'm going to be watching for in this game. Judging Drew Timmy's rim protection against an NAIA school is a bit of a foolish errand. We don't want to do that too much, but I am curious to see how he looks on that end and how much he plays around the rim and also how much defense he plays away from the rim, because that's going to be a huge part of his role this season, I expect, as long as he's on the floor alongside Chet Holmgren, who is going to play under the basket. So I would like to see how he looks in that role this game. And then the last thing, which is something I didn't talk about in the three-point shooting segment, but we heard a lot this offseason, a lot about Drew Timmy's improved outside shot. I'd like to see it. This is a good game for him to maybe try to air out a couple threes and see what happens because I don't know that it's going to be a huge part of the regular season offensive game plan because it doesn't really need to be. But in this game, if he gets a few open looks, I hope he takes them and I hope it looks good because that's another wrinkle that opposing defenses have to worry about and it's another addition into his bag, uh, not just for this season, but more importantly for his potential NBA career. Last two, this next one, does Gonzaga stick with that aggressive pick and roll defense? I, again, I, judging what they do in, against an NAIA school is is risky, but we saw Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas were up up in the guards' grills all game long. They were really aggressive on those hedges, on the pick and rolls. Uh, they played you know played a, aggressive defense as far as 30, 35 feet away from the basket, which isn't something we've always seen Gonzaga do. I think they have the luxury of doing that because of Chet Holmgren 
and his ability to clean up any mistakes made by the defense because of his shot blocking ability and his shot altering ability. I think it's going to lead to a lot of steals, a lot of fast breaks against a team like Lewis Clark State, where they don't have, you know, Division I caliber ball handlers. There should be plenty of steals, plenty of that up at the top of the key. But I'm not looking as much for the results because you got to take those with a grain of salt, but more so if that continues to be Gonzaga's strategy defensively, because I think it could lead to a lot of really fun plays in the regular season. And last but not least, do we see Martinez Orlowskis? Uh, an ankle injury kept him out against Eastern Oregon. We did not find out about that until after the game, but we saw pictures before the game of him not suited up, so we kind of knew that he was not going to play. This is one of his last chances to get real minutes. You know, it's unfortunate because I think he's a talented player. I think he has done all that is asked of him. At least we have never heard or seen anything that indicates otherwise for him. He's just been behind some really, really good guards in this program. Uh, similar to Caden Perry and Ben Gregg, I think he doesn't. he's not going to get a lot of opportunities in the regular season. So these exhibition games, these early season games against Dixie State and Alcorn State and Northern Arizona, these are his opportunities to play. And I hope he's healthy uh, for many reasons. Obviously, I hope he's healthy for himself, but I hope he gets a chance to play in this game because I like watching him play more than anything else. He's a fun player to watch play basketball, and he's not going to get a ton of opportunities during the season. So it'd be really nice to get him see a chance to see him get a chance here. All right, that's a wrap on the upcoming Lewis and Clark State game. We're going to pivot and spend the next two segments talking about Zags and the NBA. But first, let's talk about McDonald's. This episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose is a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Growing up, it was the place to go for post-game celebrations, and for a while, it even became a pre-game location with their delicious breakfast menu. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. I'm loving it. Alright, welcome back. In the first segment, we talked all about the Lewis Clark State game, the five things that I'm going to be watching for, including Gonzaga's three-point shooting, some stuff with Drew Timmy and the other young bigs, Ben Gregg and Caden Perry. Now we're in the second segment, we're pivoting, we're talking about Zags and the NBA for each of the next two segments. This first one, we're going to cover the young guns, and we're going to start, of course, with the most exciting young Zag in the NBA. That is, of course, Orlando Magic point guard Jalen Suggs. Suggs has appeared in all nine games for the Magic, and he has started every single one of them. There was some question about whether he would actually start his NBA career as a starter because the the Magic have a plethora of other young guards. He is a starter. He's playing about 30 minutes per night. He's averaging 12.5 points, 3.6 rebounds, 3.4 assists, and a steal. That's pretty good. I think if you were to just look at purely the box score, the back of the basketball card stats, you see you know, about 13 points, three and a half boards, three and a half assists, like that's in 30 minutes per night. That's, that's pretty solid. The story for Suggs is a little bit more complicated than that. He has not shot the ball well at all. Like it is, there's no sugarcoating it. His field goal percentage is 30.5. His three point percentage is 23.5. He is shooting 84% from the free throw line, which is helping him out, but he has, he's just missing shots. That's it. He's missing shots. He's doing everything else you'd expect him to do. He's a good rebounding guard for a point guard. He's 3.4 assists is not bad for a guy who I think is 
playing a little bit more off the ball because of Cole Anthony's presence, so he's not like a true dynamic facilitating point guard. Uh, his defense has been great. I think there are a lot of people who didn't, you know, people who weren't draft scouts or draft analysts who weren't really prepared for Jalen Suggs to come in and be such a good defensive player. That was obviously something we as Gonzaga fans knew about him and knew that he would be good at right away. He's tough. He's physical. He drew comparisons to Gary Payton for a reason. So the fact that he's playing well defensively is good. The fact that he's still racking up stats is good. Really, when you look at it, the only thing that is not going well is the shooting. And (laughs) that's a pretty big deal. It's an important part of being a good basketball player, obviously. Uh, Jalen Suggs is not a 24% three-point shooter. I know that there was concern about his outside shooting coming into his rookie season. Understandably so. He's not a great three-point shooter. He wasn't in college. I don't think he's going to be this bad by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, Certainly, he's not a 30.5% field goal shooter. So we're going to see those numbers tick up as he gets more comfortable, as he gets more used to the NBA, uh, as he just gets out of, you know, gets back in rhythm. (laughs) Basketball is a game of averages, so he is going to regress more to the mean uh, for himself. So I'm, I'm not super worried about it. I think by the end of the year, we'll see a guy averaging closer to 15 points per game, shooting closer to 40 something percent from the field, maybe, maybe 30 ish percent from three, which is still not great. But if he gets up to 30%, I think uh, fans will be pretty happy with that. Uh, he did have a great moment where he got to play in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. Uh, it was fantastic. He teared up. He talked about the experience, how great it was to, to be in front of friends and family and for them to get to see him play in the NBA, which is just an awesome moment. You know, I'm so happy that 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 happened for him, obviously, and that he he got that opportunity. And Chet Holmgren was talking about it, and I'm sure Chet's going to be real excited that when he gets to play for play uh, in Minnesota, hell, it might be for the Timberwolves. They seem to be uh, a very bad at basketball and b not happy with Carl Anthony Towns, which could could result in them getting a high draft pick and needing a big man. Which hey. That would be pretty cool if Chet Holmgren got to play for the Timberwolves. Uh, let's let's let him uh, play his first season in Gonzaga before we get too excited about that. But definitely a possibility for the young man. Moving on, uh, Corey Kispert's playing for the Washington Wizards, of course, fifteenth overall pick in the draft. Uh, he's played in seven games, uh, seven of I believe nine games that the Wizards have played. He's playing just under ten minutes per game, averaging two points, one and a half rebounds, just under an assist. If you're surprised by these numbers. Me too, for starters. Uh, the the issue with Washington is that they made this trade on draft day where they traded Russell Westbrook for five players. I'm not, I can't name all of them off the top of my head. I know Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell-Pope were three of the big ones. There's a couple other guys that got in there as well. It was a weird trade. Uh, I understand Washington was unhappy with Westbrook. They didn't seem to be going anywhere. They didn't make the move to also trade Bradley Beal. And the players they got back in this trade weren't exactly like young rebuilding pieces. So it was kind of unclear what they were doing. Montres Harrell's having a great season. Kyle Kuzma's been really good. And the problem is that all these guys that they acquired play this kind of small ball four or bigger three role that Corey Kispert plays. And so he hasn't been able to carve out a role in the rotation, which is particularly problematic because the Wizards are also without Rui Hachimura, who we will talk about, of course, in the third segment in his notable absence so far to begin the NBA season. So Kispert is already on the outs. He's already only playing less than 10 minutes per game and not even playing every game. They're going to get Rui Hachimura back at some point. 
I do think we'll see him get a few more minutes in the short term because Davis Bertans is hurt, another one of those small ball four guys that the Wizards have on their roster. But it's just an unfortunate situation. I don't think it's not Corey's fault. He's not, you know, he's only shooting 25% from three and 42% from the field, but he has not had nearly enough opportunities for those numbers to be statistically significant at all. So it's just one of those weird situations where he got caught in this weird roster crunch that was not an issue when he was initially selected. So I'm not worried about it. I don't think Zags fans should be particularly worried or mad at the Wizards. It's just a weird situation that they found themselves in. He will probably get more minutes as the year goes on. He will almost certainly get more minutes next year because Washington will not hold on to all of these players going into next season. So I expect to see his NBA career take off in short order. Next up is Kevin Pangos. Kevin Pangos, the 29-year-old rookie for the Cleveland Cavaliers coming over from overseas, of course, did not has not played at Gonzaga since 2015. He's played three games for Cleveland, eight total minutes, uh, 0 for 2 from the field, 0 for 1 from 3, still looking for those first points in the NBA, but you know what? He's an NBA player. Like, how cool is that? He's played in the NBA. I thought we might not ever see this, and I thought that we should. I knew that we should. I thought that we should have seen it back in 2015. He was clearly a good enough player to be in the NBA then. He went overseas. It took him longer than you'd expect to come back because he dealt with some injuries while he was overseas, a a couple not-so-great seasons. Then he had a really nice season. Now he's here. I think we'll see we'll see him get some more opportunities. Cleveland's Ricky Rubio is playing extremely well for Cleveland right now. Colin Sexton is in the mix, obviously, as the starting point guard. So they just don't have a lot of room for him. He's the number three point guard on a team that doesn't really need a third point guard. But he's here. He's in the NBA. That's an awesome accomplishment. We will see him play. We will see his first points. I'm going to be so thrilled and retweeting the absolute hell out of the first time we see him hit a three-pointer in the NBA. Next up, Killian Tilly. Killian Tilly has played in two games with the Memphis Grizzlies, 11 total minutes. He's 0 for 4 from the field, but he's got four boards, two steals, and one super epic block. He blocked somebody right at the rim. They were going for a dunk, and he just shut them down. It was fantastic. Uh, I'm sure I retweeted that video if you want to go check it out on Twitter. Uh, Tilly's on a two-way deal with Memphis, which means he spends part of his season in the G League and part of his season on the NBA roster. So we probably won't see a ton of him this year, just like we didn't see a ton of him last year. Memphis is very crowded in the front court. We'll talk about that as well in the second segment when we talk about Brandon Clark. So it's going to be tough for him to find playing time. But again, he's here. He's got a guaranteed contract, which is about as much as you can ask for for an NBA player. That's a really, really tough deal. Uh, So I'm excited for him. Hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more of him as the year goes on. And last but not least, speaking of two-way contracts, Joel Ayayi for the Washington Wizards. He's played in one game. He has made his NBA debut. He is officially an NBA player. He played four minutes in that game. A similar situation to Corey. I know he doesn't play the same position, but the the Wizards have a really crowded roster. Uh, Just a ton of dudes. I was thrilled after he got released by the Lakers that he signed a new deal. I was a little worried. Uh, Going undrafted makes it a lot harder to make an NBA roster. And quite frankly, his performance in the summer league with the Wizards, or excuse me, with the Lakers was bad. He did not look, he he just didn't look good. He, He looked, he didn't look confident. He wasn't taking a lot of shots. He wasn't making the shots he was taking. It wasn't a very good performance from him, and it made me really worry that he was going to have to start his professional career overseas. But Washington saw something in him. They signed him. Now he's here. He's on a two-way contract. He's going to light up the G League. I can promise you that. He's going to be one of the best players in the G League. I expect similar type numbers where at the end of the game, you're like, you don't remember him doing anything specific. And you're like, oh, he had 14 points, eight rebounds, and six assists. Like, that is awesome. So I'm excited for the G League season to get started and to see what Joel and Killian Tilly do. Uh, But obviously, they will also get more opportunities opportunities to play in the NBA this season as well. All right, that's a wrap on the Young Zags in the NBA. Coming up in the third segment, I'm going to discuss the veterans of the group and how their season is progressing. But first, let's talk about Bet Online. 
Folks, BetOnline is back and better than ever. BetOnline has a new web interface for the start of the NBA and college basketball season, and it features more props, more odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Today's episode is also sponsored by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, plain and simple. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, including some all-time favorites like raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut, and my personal favorite, salted caramel. Of course, Bilt Bar is not only great tasting, they are healthy too. Most Bilt Bar flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go to BiltBar.com now and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's BiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. All right, third segment coming at you. We're still talking Zags in the NBA. On a side note, I love that I can turn the Zags in the NBA into a two-part episode because there are so many former Gonzaga alumni playing in the NBA. It's a really cool thing. Earlier, I mentioned 10. That's crazy. Two of them are not playing. We're going to talk about those two guys in this segment. But there are still 10 Zags on NBA rosters. Super awesome. There's going to be more next year. I'm I'm just letting you know, super excited about it. It's really cool to see this program start to churn out NBA regular players on a consistent basis. All right, starting with the veteran guys, of course, we have to lead off with Indiana Pacers center, two-time All-Star DeMontis Sabonis. Through nine games, Sabonis is playing 38 minutes per night. That really jumped out at me when I was looking at his basketball reference page. 38 minutes per night is nuts. (laughs) It's a ridiculous workload for the young man so far this season. He's obviously doing great stuff with it. 20 points, 11 rebounds, 4.2 assists, career-high 1.6 steals per game. He's shooting 59.5% from the field and a ridiculous 69.5% on twos. 70% of his shots within the three-point line are going in. That is ridiculous. He was obviously a hyper-efficient player at Gonzaga. He's been a hyper-efficient player in the NBA, but 70% of his two-point shots is absolutely insane. His overall field goal percentage is brought down by the fact that he's only shooting 27.5% from three. Early in the season, it looked like the three-point shot was going to stick. It still could. We're only nine games into the year, but he's faded pretty hard on the outside shooting since then. In fact, his overall performance has faded after he got off to a really hot start this season, which is the same thing he did last year. He's faded a little bit since then. He's not quite on last year's pace, but again, he's averaging 20, 11, and 5. That's really good. Not a lot of dudes do that. That's an incredible season line if he ends up finishing around there. It's all-star caliber once again. There's not really... There, there's plenty of reason to believe that he will make his third consecutive All-Star game this year, especially uh, if he starts to play like he did at the beginning of the year. But even if he keeps this pace up, he's probably going to be another All-Star. The Pacers are really building this team around him and fellow big man Miles Turner. It's interesting to see 
how that shakes out for them long term. Uh, Karis Levert is a good guard. They have him as well. but And they have Malcolm Brogdon and Chris Duarte, the rookie from the uh, Oregon Ducks, is playing really well so far for the Pacers. They're an interesting team. I'm not sure how they're going to uh, continue to build, if they're going to continue to build this team, if they're going to try to rebuild stuff at all. But uh, Sabonis is having another outstanding season, which is not a surprise to us Gonzaga fans out there. Next up, Kelly Olenek in his first season with the Detroit Pistons. He's played seven games Made one start, playing about 23 minutes per night, averaging 12.5 points, 4.6 rebounds, 2.9 assists, and 1.4 steals, which is also a career high for him. 47% from the field, only 28% from three, and only 67% from the free throw line. Both those numbers are well below his career norms. Uh, it's probably just a small sample size. Seven games is basically nothing. It's kind of not really worth evaluating too much on that. Uh, but it has been a slow start for him shooting the rock. Uh, but again, he's doing everything else really well. Uh, 12 and a half points and five rebounds when he's not shooting well is fantastic. It means he could end up, you know, averaging closer to 14 or 15 per night this season. I talked about this before with Kelly. He's been so consistent for his entire NBA career at about 20 minutes per game, 10 points, five rebounds. He's been like right around that number every single season he's been in the league, except last year when he got off to a really slow start with the Miami Heat ended up going over to the Houston Rockets and then exploded and averaged like 19 and 9 for the Rockets. This remarkable turnaround for him. He was a huge piece of their offense. Ended up parlaying that into a three-year deal with the Detroit Pistons. Now he's back closer to those 20 minutes, 10 points, 5 rebounds numbers. He's a little bit higher than that. Uh, I think his number, his end-of-season numbers are going to be even a little bit better than that because he's he's going to start shooting the ball a little bit better. Uh, he's a big-time big time contributor for the Pistons. He's kind of a veteran on a really young team. I think it's a really good fit for him. I think the Pistons fans are going to love him. They probably already do love him. I'm excited to see how the rest of this contract shakes out for him in the rest of the season. But once again, he's just been a steady presence uh, and just one of the most reliable seven-foot guys in the NBA. Next up, Brandon Clark for the Memphis Grizzlies. Clark has played in five games. He's only playing 13 and a half minutes per night, averaging four points, three and a half boards, and one assist. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a bummer. There's not really any other way to say it. I know there are a lot of Gonzaga fans out there who initially thought they would become Memphis Grizzlies fans and are now the opposite. They strongly dislike the Memphis Grizzlies because of the way that they have handled this Brandon Clark situation. It has been very con- kind of confusing and upsetting, I suppose, if you are a Brandon Clark fan. He was a big contributor as a rookie. He was used primarily the way that he should be utilized as an under the you know, under the basket threat, a hyper efficient, low post scorer, a good defensive player. And then in his second year, they kind of tried to thrust him into this three, four role where he needed to shoot a lot more threes. He wasn't very good at it. And then he got benched and then there was some injury stuff. And then when he came back, he kind of was pushed out of the role, pushed out of a role completely. The hope was this year would be a reset. And instead he's just not in the rotation very much. 13 minutes per night is borderline not a rotation player in the NBA. It's really frustrating to see this happen for him. He's not shooting the ball particularly well. He's not doing himself any favors, but it's hard to uh, to adjust to all of a sudden not being a guy who plays 25 minutes per night. He's only shooting 43% from the free throw line, which is very baffling. I think that will change as the year goes on. I, mean, I know that will change as the year goes on. He's a much better free throw shooter than that, but he really needs a change of scenery. It's It's sad that this is what has already happened after just a few seasons in the NBA. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to push hard for my Portland Trail Blazers to trade for Brandon Clark if he becomes available at all. The Blazers could use a defensive-minded big. 
you know, they went out and got Larry Nance, who I think is the kind of player that Brandon Clark could really morph into. Nance is going to be a, probably a better outside shooter than Clark is, but that's the kind of guy that I think Brandon Clark could be. And if he could come to Portland, learn from Larry Nance, learn from Yusuf Nurkic, be a reliable backup big for them. It's a pipe dream. I doubt it's going to happen. I don't think Memphis is keen to send some of their young players who've had success in the NBA to teams that are in the same division as them. It seems unlikely that they're going to do that, but uh, Clark definitely needs a change of scenery. And hopefully Memphis will either find a way to utilize him like they did when he was a rookie, or they'll send him to another team who will. And then our last two cases, uh, both these guys have yet to play an NBA game this season for very different reasons. First up is, of course, Rui Hachimura with the Washington Wizards. He has not suited up this year. He left the team in preseason for uh, personal reasons is what how it was described. It came out a little bit later. There's still not a lot of information out there, but what we know is it seems to be mental health related. Uh, it likely stems from the Olympics. He was the, you know, the flag bearer for Japan and the basketball program did not do particularly well. And I think Rui, from what we're reading, it seems like he took that really hard and is kind of having a hard time either motivating himself to play basketball again or just, just struggling with that, you know, and it's tough. I, I don't know a ton of details. I'm not going to learn a ton of details faster than anybody else is. You know, when things come out, things will come out. Uh, I don't feel particularly comfortable guessing as to what's going on with him. It doesn't feel right to do. I think the best thing for us right now is to give him his space, uh, wish well for him. Hopefully he can get healthy mentally and get back onto the floor. I know he's been at practices with the team, or excuse me, he's been at the practice facility. He has not been with the team, which is a little bit kind of eyebrow raising. Uh, it says, sounds like he's uh, staying away from team activities for the moment. Players are not really commenting on the situation. Coach Wes Unseld's not really commenting on the situation. I know Kisper was asked about it and kind of said, hey, I'm here for him. If he wants to talk, like I'm happy to to be somebody he can talk to and, and, and everything, but I haven't really spoken to him. So I really hope he's okay. Uh, that's kind of the, the, the last thing that I'll say on Rui until we get more information. And then next up, Zach Collins. Zach Collins played for the San Antonio Spurs now after four years with the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, he's battling an ankle injury, which is something that has kept him out of action with the Blazers last season. He obviously had the shoulder injury the year before that. He has only played 11 games in the last two seasons. The majority of those came in the bubble uh, during the, the brief bubble season in the NBA. He's currently out until after Christmas is the most recent update we've received from Coach Greg Popovich. So it's going to be a while until Zach Collins is back on the court. When he returns, he will have to compete with Jock Landale uh, of, of St. Mary's Lore, as well as Drew Eubanks from Oregon State uh, for playing time. They also have Jakob Pertl from Utah, so apparently Pop and the Spurs really like their West Coast big men. That seems to be a uh, an area of growth for this team. They're, they're going after those guys in mass for some reason. Collins is going to have an upper ba- uphill battle. There's not really any other way to say it. Uh, not getting healthy until December is hard, or late December, January. Uh, and then, you know, those guys are, are, he's not definitively better than any of those guys right now. I don't think, I think he will. A healthy Zach Collins is, is a better NBA player than Jock Landale, uh, possibly better than Drew Eubanks, but he's going to have to fight to get some more playing time. And it's a, it's going to be a battle for him to be a consistent rotation player in the NBA again, which is something that he, he was right out of the shoots with the Blazers and, and was on, you know, en route to be a starter and a, and a big time contributor. And now he's kind of Got to battle his way back up the hill, which is no fun. But hopefully, you know, if I know anything about him, he's going he's gonna to fight. He's still very young. I think that's a hard thing to remember for us. Like, I think he'd have been a senior last year. Is that correct? Yeah, I think he'd have been a senior last year. So we're talking about a dude who's like barely younger than or barely older than Corey Kispert. 
you know, so it's not like he's uh, got no time to rebuild his career and, and become a, a useful NBA player, but uh, it's it's going to be more of a battle now than it would have been had he not dealt with all of his injuries, obviously. All right, that is going to do it for me today and, of course, for this week. Uh, good luck, of course, to the Zags against Lewis Clark State tonight, depending when you're listening to this. Uh, they're probably not going to need a lot of luck. I think this is going to be a nice win for them, of course, in the exhibition slate. Excited to see some of the stuff that they roll out. Uh, of course, just excited to see another 30-something minutes from Chet Holmgren. <laughs> it's going to be super fun. Uh, next week, of course, we're going to kick things off with a mailbag Monday uh, before we start talking Dixie State, previewing that game, and then, of course, previewing the Texas game later in the week. Folks, we're a week out from Gonzaga play in Texas, just about. I'm super thrilled about that game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tons of coverage about that next week, all right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, which is, of course, available wherever you get your podcasts, soon to be available on YouTube as well. Another reminder, podcast links will also be available on Twitter at Locked on Zags and on my personal Twitter account, which if you're not following, you can find at ScoreZagsScore. Finally, thank you again for making this show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen to the Locked On NBA podcast. You can get all your daily NBA updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing at the next level. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!